welcome to the North End Goal. I have been I have been looping that song all day for a very specific reason. I am Jake on Twitter, known as Jake Johnson on Twitter, and I am Benji, aka Ellis McPickle, aka Alaskutan, uh, whatever else you want to call me. I'll, I'll take it. And turn turn that song back up for a minute. Let, let's hear that again, real quick. I, we we got it's it's got some feel good vibes, and there's a very good reason for that for my Ute fans out there. All right, here's a little more. Yes, sir. This gets me going, man. And I will tell you why, Ute fans. I will tell you why because the rumor out there is from a lot of the insiders. Um, a lot of the people that follow the recruiting on a day-to-day basis and have contacts with the program that your starting quarterback for your de- Pac-12 back-to-back defending champ, South champs is going to be Cameron Bad Moon Rising. And that is the reason I've been pumping that song all day. And that fires me up for a very specific reason because the quarterback battle, as we know, was down to Cam Rising, the transfer from Texas, and Jake Bentley, the three-year SEC starter transfer from South Carolina, who's thrown for 7,500 yards in three years and had 33 starts down to those two guys. And everyone assumed, well, a lot of the national media assumed when, when they talked about it, that it was going to be Jake Bentley's job because he's a senior. He started for three years in the SEC. Why would you not start him? And apparently, if you believe those insiders, Cam Rising came in and he outperformed that guy, which to me speaks to optimism that he's a baller because you don't just come, if all things being equal, you think you go with the easier choice. Well, not this guy. Cam Rising apparently is your starter, and it fires me up because he is highly touted, recruited by everybody, and he. this is basically a throwaway year, we know, so he'll be a sophomore again next year. So that gives us the next three or four years the same starting quarterback if he's good, and we got a lot of young talent. So, man, the future is looking awesome. So I see that bad moon rising, baby. <laughs> nice. What do you say to those and this is not me speaking, but I've BYU has been in similar situations in the past, and I've heard the logic out there that when a, a talented guy who's got one year left comes to your program, that you owe it to him to play him. Otherwise, you're sending a message to everybody else that if they show up at your school, they might be wasting their time. They might be making a huge mistake. What do you say to that? Does this send the wrong message I, to I potential say, transfer no, portal I, I think, dwellers? No. What it tells me, what it tells me is you have a chance to play because they'll put the best player on the field, right? He, on the uh, from that from all indications, you know, looked like he was fighting an uphill battle against Jake Bentley, right? And, and the thing is, I, I got a, a discussion with someone about this today. It's like that's so few and far between anyway. He's like, oh yeah, this guy's like, next time there's a three-year starter from a Power Five school that transfers, he's not going to look at Utah. I was like, dude. Very rarely does a three-year starter from a Power 5 school transfer anyway, right? And so I like the fact that he's not – I know that Witt, when he recruits, he doesn't promise anybody anything. Clark Phillips, the guy we talked about a lot that was like the steal of a recruit from Ohio State, said that, that Kyle did not guarantee him a starting job. He said, you can come and you can compete, right? And so I guarantee that's the same thing they told Jake Bentley. Yeah, listen, you're going to be a fifth-year senior. Come on, compete. We'll give you every chance to start. And I believe they did that. And uh, Cam Rising apparently – if, if you believe these insiders, beat him out. So no, I don't think that. I don't think. Sure, it, it, it might it might damage a little bit enough, but like I said, those those uh, instances are so few and far between that it doesn't. It won't affect anything going forward. You know. I'm I'm with you. I would also say to them, show me the program out there 
that makes that offer and never goes back on it a single time. I that is not a successful program. That's not how you win. You don't say, "Hey, yeah, we're like two and eleven, but we never broke any promises to any recruits." Like, look at us. And that yeah. that sounds like I'm advocating for dishonesty. You shouldn't. You're right. You shouldn't make those promises. Don't make a promise you can't keep. Right. You know, just yep. All you can be is straightforward with them. Say, "Hey, come show up. Come compete." And uh, see what happens. And I don't think Wit. I don't think Wit made that promise. I, he's he said it previously. He doesn't. Recruits have said he doesn't. And so you came in. He gave him every chance to compete. And dude, I think it, it sets up like I said, really big for the next couple of years. It, it's almost like uh, in 2017, Utah had a returning senior quarterback, Troy Williams, who the year before went nine and four, won nine games as a starter, and he was upended. And na- and the sophomore Tyler Huntley was named the starter. And everyone was like shocked. How do you? Bench a returning starter who won nine games, right? But what happened is in 2017, you had a sophomore Zach Moss, a sophomore Tyler Huntley, all of our sophomore receivers. They went seven and six. They 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 took their licks, but what did it do? It gave them experience and it pre- prepared them for the next two years. Whereas we know we're the back-to-back South champs. And we could go for, if it happens this year, it's never happened in the history of the Pac-12, which is just 10 years. There's never been a three-time winner back-to-back-to-back. So we could make history and be the first three-peat champs. I don't think we will. But that's what I'm saying is this reminds me a lot of 2017 where that this similar thing happened. They named a younger quarterback starter who we didn't think they would, and it prepared them for the, the two years to, to win the South. There's one more angle I want to address on this. Something I had read that if I were a Ute fan, but I mean, I, I hate the Utes. Like, like, oh man, they're terrible. I'm just, I'm kind of a Ute fan. But if I were, if I were a passionate Ute fan, I would get excited about this. And the rumor out there, I can't remember. I don't follow enough Ute people to know who said this. Uh, but they couldn't go into detail as to specifically why uh, the one of them outperformed the other one without giving away something that was part of their offensive strategy. So me, from the outside looking in, I'm saying, oh, they're totally revamping. They're going air raid. You think they're going air raid? No. I think what he meant by that, because Witt said that, he's mentioned in the past something that he feels is important in a quarterback. He likes the fact that quarterback can be mobile. He has said that. He likes a mobile quarterback. And so I feel like with that quote, him saying – the reason we chose this person was an aspect that if I tell you, you'll know who. I think it's obvious that it's the fact that Cam Rising's mobile. Um, Tyler Huntley was mobile. Troy Williams was mobile. Travis Travis Wilson was mobile. He likes the option to have a quarterback run the ball if the pocket collapses, right? And Cam Rising is super athletic that way. He did a, he did a lot of RPO action in high school, and he's known as kind of a, a, a dual threat, whereas Jake Bentley is simply a passing quarterback, right? So I think, I don't know this, but I think when he's saying that, that if I told you the reason we chose him, it would give it away is the fact that he chose him because he's mobile, and, and he's the mobile quarterback of the two. That makes sense. I like a mobile quarterback, too. I think we've, we've talked about this in the past, about how a lot of NFL teams are even trending that direction and kind of uh, yeah. you know, getting that to be part of their off- offensive identity. Look look at look at the all the hot names at quarterback right now. Lamar Jackson, last year's MVP, dual threat. Kyler, uh, Kyler, um, uh, gosh, the Murray. Williams, the, Ky- Ky- Kyler Murray. Murray. Kyler Murray, yeah. Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. He just had a huge game on my night. He's a mobile quarterback, right? Um, that's kind of Russell Wilson's mobile when you need him to be. Right. Pat Mahomes is a thrower, but he's also can be mobile when needed. He's not known as a mobile quarterback, but it's that same type of thing, man. It, it is. It's trending towards it's, mobile quarterbacks that can escape pressure, and Cam Rising definitely is known for that. So that's what I think when Witt said that. What he meant. You, you left off Deshaun Watson, and you left off yeah Deshaun Watson, Taysom Hill. 
Taysom Hill. Yes. The th- I, I left off the two best. The two. The Sean Watson and Taysom Hill. And, and that's like, the end wow. of my list. Yeah, that's that's a good list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I, anyway, that's what I think he meant by that. So. Yeah. And I'm excited for it. I, I, you have the old adage, if two guys are tied, play the younger guy. I don't necessarily think Witt follows that adage, you know. I think he puts the best guy who has the best chance to win. He said that over and over. Witt's not a, a, a BS shoveler. He kind of tells it how it is when he when he tells it. I mean, he'll he'll you know he'll play games where he's like, I'm not going to tell you who the starter is, but when he says stuff, he means what he says. So I don't think he does that. I think I just think I, I hope anyway. Cam Rising outplayed Jake Bentley, and I, I spoke to on the on the flight home from the uh, shall not be named Pac-12 championship game last year. I was sitting next to a guy. Who is in? Uh, who's who's friends with Coach Witt? I don't remember his name, but he's also um, in the locker room during games, and like he's like on some some operation staff. I don't know if he was like a, a medical guy or something, but he told me after. I mean, we commiserated for an hour about the game, how terrible it was. But when we started talking about cameraizing, he's like, "Dude, this kid can spin it." I'm not kidding you. He's 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 legit future star in the Pac-12. This kid can spin it, and this was last last December, and so I've always retained that in my mind. And then when it finds out if he wins it. That he beat this guy, then he's. I think he's. I think he's got a got a future. And I mean, the knock on him was he, he. I mean, he committed to Oklahoma, so Lincoln Riley wanted him to Oklahoma. Then he broke his commitment, went to Texas, and then after he lost the job, he transferred. So he, he hasn't been able to like stay committed, or you know, uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but he hasn't been able to to ride out whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? To ride so out adversity. Yeah, right, right. Yes, but if he's the starter, then he doesn't have to worry about that because he's the guy now, and he so he's super talented. So we'll see, man. I'm excited about it. What is tricky too is is you put all these expectations and pressures on kids. I, you know, and, and we say this time and time again. At age 18, age 20, I wasn't. I'm not the man I am now. I wasn't, and that's a human thing. We always look back and think, oh, if it were me, I would do this. Well, we're thinking of the 39 year old version of me, and of course, yeah, the the 18 year old, 20 yeah, year old yeah. version of me. You know, yeah, he's a kid. Let him be a kid. Dude, I was. Yeah, I'm, when I'm 18 years old, I'm freaking. Uh, th- shooting literally shooting fireworks out of my my truck window while I'm driving in Alaska, <laughs> crashing my truck. Like that's what I was doing at 18. I'd light bottle rockets. And there's one time I was driving down Riverside Drive in Juneau, and the the the, the bottle rocket fell off the stick while I was driving. And my friend's like, "Oh crap!" So I totally just spaced it and lost my mind, and like looked down to grab the bottle rocket, took it, chucked it out the window, right out of the window. We jumped the curb and nailed the tree. Right. Oh man. So like. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I was doing at 18, right? Teenagers. Stupid stuff like that. So to expect, yeah. Oh, uh, my parents were not happy. In fact, you know the funny thing is, so I knocked down this pine tree, right? Yeah. And then my friend, so so it jams the 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 front ends complete demolishes jammed against the truck wheel, and I can't back out. I can't get out. So I tell my friend, go get your jeep and tow me out. So he runs off. Like five minutes later, two cop cars come down. They they get out and the because the neighbor had said I was drunk driving because there's no reason for me to jump the curb, right? So they have me walking the line like to prove that I'm not drunk, right? <laughs> the, uh, and, and my bishop drives by while I'm walking the line. And uh anyway it was it was it was a bad deal. It ended up end of the moral of the story is my parents made me go back and pick up that tree not, I knocked over and we used that tree for our Christmas tree that we had. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pictures uh, of that. Yeah. You look back on fondly, like, oh, that tree. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. I don't know if I. I mean, that was in '98, right? I, don't, I, I, I may have some some Polaroid somewhere. <laughs> All right, folks. We're gonna ago. take a little detour here because this is the subject now. This is no longer a football podcast. This is a, trucks and teenagers are a bad mix podcast. So, <laughs> when I my senior year, 
This is hilarious. I was uh, a little bit of senioritis. I had 102% in my U.S. history class, right? Like I did a couple extra credit assignments. No doubt at all of failing this class. However, running out of time, month left in school, I had to finish a book. Not even a month. There was only a few weeks left in school. And I had to finish a book for another class. And it was important that I get that done. So what's the smart thing to do for a smart kid, right? You don't show up at the class where you have 102 freaking percent. So I grabbed the book, I got in my truck, and I skipped, I skipped school all by myself. And you think, okay, I'm in Box Elder County. I could go anywhere. I could go to a parking lot behind a store and read for an hour, and that'd be a good use of my time. I could go anywhere. Where do I decide you go to, to go? Maddox. <laughs> I should have gone to, to Maddox. Maddox. And get some rolls. I went to the famous Bear River Bird Refuge. So there's there's a if, <laughs> if you're in the birding world there's a huge bird refuge out there. So you just you get on Forest Street and you drive west and that's it. That's the only direction you need. Drive west on Forest Street. It's like the second main street in Brigham City, and you just don't turn. You just keep going. Well, it goes from pavement to uh, no stoplights, no stop signs, dirt road, and you just keep going and going and going. So me having the time of my life, skipping school to go read a book. Like, that's the kind of rebel I was. I was like a nerdy dork rebel. Like, I'm going to go read a book all by myself. And, man, fishtailing is, is so fun. Drift, they call it drifting later. When I was a kid, we were like, oh, fishtailing. We go fishtailing and, and on a dirt road. And I would just get going faster and faster and faster and intentionally lose control, go sideways and think, man, this is awesome. So I'm doing that at 20 miles an hour, doing that at 30 miles an hour, just pushing my luck on this straight dirt road, middle of nowhere, nothing around anywhere, 55 miles an hour. I'm doing this. I'm flying sideways in my pickup truck like a moron, you know, but I never lost control yet, like beyond the intentional lost control. Well, suddenly I slide and there's a group of trees and I'm going sideways. So facing to the right of the road, sliding towards my left, right? The trees, like the truck goes clear of the trees and the freaking Bear River is right there. And when I was going 55 miles an hour sideways and I was pointed right at it, and it's, I was not expecting, I'd never been this far on this road before. I was not expecting this river to be there. So I thought, oh my goodness, I am a dead person if I do not wheel this truck around one more time. So I get, I gain control, I get going straight again to the left again, and I had no interest in getting anywhere near that river again because I had no idea it was there. It scared me so bad. So I flew off the road to the left side like airborne, like the, the, the dirt road is kind of built up. It's about six feet above uh-huh. the, the ground to the side of it. So I go flying off this road and I hit a uh, barbed wire fence that's five strings of barbed wire. Well, this is the coolest thing. My truck hits the middle three wires and busts and breaks them, right? Somehow stretches the top and the bottom one so it goes through those. So I hit the ground. Uh, sliding around like crazy in this pasture where there's a bunch of cows, right? And I didn't hit any cows. The cows were safe, but no traction at all. And I'm, I'm just spinning out like a NASCAR winner, you know, just flying around, clumps of dirt flying everywhere. I see in my rear view mirror, my tire going from the left to the right side. And at that point I knew I was in big trouble because tires aren't supposed to just come flying off of vehicles, right? So I freak out. Everything comes to a stop. I get out run around my truck to survey the damage, and all the tires were there. So, turns out, it was a spare tire. So, freak me out for nothing. The tire, the truck's <laughs> fine. Truck can drive, except my truck is stuck inside of the fence, and I couldn't get back out. Back out. So, I start walking home, which was like 10 miles. I met up with some, some guys who were like 
duck hunters who were just out there scouting places to hunt ducks near the bird refuge, which was a little shady. And uh, just and this is before cell phones, by the way. Oh yeah, whippersnappers. Yeah, this so was you can't the call anybody. <laughs> this was the spring of 1999. Stick my thumb out. They picked me up. They dropped me off. Uh, actually, they didn't drop me off at my house. They were like, "We'll take you as far as we're going." So I had to walk the final three miles to my house. And uh, anyway, it sucked. My my dad. It was funny because my dad he called the he called the police up. He called the highway patrol and said, "You got to meet us <laughs> out there." So like this, I could have totally like gone back and retrieved the truck, but you know, my dad being who he was in uh in the legal world was like, "No, we gotta we gotta do the right thing." So we call the highway patrol. Goes back out there, and I got cited for driving too fast for the conditions to allow because my story at the time. Not a liar. I didn't say anything that wasn't true. I didn't tell the story the way I just told you just now. The story I told was, yeah. I must have been going too fast. Just lost control. Yeah. Oh, well. And, and the, uh, the patrolman, yeah. he looks down the road. And, of course, he's been driving there seeing all these fishtail marks for, the, like, the past two miles. He said, yeah, looks like you lost control a ways back there. And I said, yep, yep, <laughs> <laughs> totally lost control. I don't know how it happened. Going too fast. Anyway. Oh, man, that's good. Fun time. So to wrap it up, these are the kind of things 18-year-olds are deciding on, right? So we yes. expect now them to be all logical and, and weigh things out like, oh, I can fight through adversity. I'll just – I'll wait and I'll get my chance. No, dude, they want what's best for them then. So that's why someone like Cam Rising transfers, and hopefully it pays off for them, man. I, I'm really excited to see what we have because we've got a lot of freaking young dudes. I've talked about it. A lot of sophomores and highly rated freshmen. So in the next couple years – with this throwaway season we're having, with no eligibility loss, we can be pretty dang good in the next couple of years. A lot like from 17 to 18 and 19. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, yeah man, I feel good to, to open up and talk about something about the Utes for once. Th- yeah, yeah. That's, it's season, good right? to have some good news for the Utes. I was thinking about this, too, as we were talking about this. The last few years, BYU's faced similar issues of, oh, do we start this guy? Do we start that guy? What if he transfers away? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I've realized you're going from a G5 to a P5 mentality, right? Like when you're a G5, if you remember way back in Mountain West days, you've got like a a stud at a position every few years. You'll have a a, a good guy at a good position. You know, they're they're a little bit... Eric Weddle. Yeah, they're, they're fewer and they're farther between. So when you've got a good guy, you're like, that's the guy we've got. So a G5 mentality is... Oh, no, 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 we better not bench that guy. Or the, the other thing, and this kills me about BYU fans, we just burned his red shirt. Why did we burn his red shirt year? It's like, no, come on. If, if that's the guy, yeah, you play the best guy for these three games if the other guy's injured. You don't say, let's play our third best guy so we can save our second best guy so we can have him yeah. in 2024 for a year that we otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. You play your best guy because you have confidence that we're going to increase our recruiting profile and the people that are going to come behind these guys are going to stand on their shoulders and be better and utah has that mentality they've made that transition where you play the best guy you don't care about red shirts you don't care about injuries you gotta win because the more you win people are gonna come in take their place that are just as good if not better yep i I like that you say that i still have that mentality sometimes though because i look at and i just did it this year i look at tyler huntley his freshman year travis wilson or or troy williams was starting quarterback he would come in for like a, a wildcat play once or twice a game just nothing right and if we had redshirted him, we'd have him this year as a senior starting quarterback who is the returning Pac-12 first-team quarterback. So I said all the time, dang it, why did we burn his redshirt? But I agree with you. You play you play people who can help you win each game and worry about next year, next year. Yeah. Well, let's throw this out there. If you had Tyler Huntley this year, I mean, Tyler Huntley's great, 
but you wouldn't be this excited about your new guy. And maybe you don't even get no, this yeah. new guy. Maybe he looks around yeah, and says, why would I show up there? Yeah, you're right. You're probably right. Yeah. I like it. I like it, Benji. Good, good. The, the high IQ podcast. Right <laughs> this, this is. We're slowly. Low IQ to, to high IQ. Come on this unexpected journey with us. Speaking of unexpected yeah. journeys, Jazz. Utah Jazz, new ownership. Yeah. I don't know if we need to go into a lot of detail on that, but it's worth mentioning because our fan bases overlap, and that's kind of where we come together like the uh, like the handshake meme. We both we, we all love the Jazz, right? <laughs> we do. It was pretty shocking. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what it means. You already see people throwing out, oh, this means BYU is going to get preferential. <laughs> like, dude, this, he, he's a businessman. He's going to focus on his business. Like, he's not going to buy the Jazz to benefit BYU. Right, right. right. He's going to buy the Jazz because he wants to be – an NBA owner and like be successful there. So, Hey, I think personally it's, it's a little sad for me because all I've known is the Millers, right? I grew up a diehard jazz fan. I would literally cry in my teenage years when they lost in the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so all I've known is Larry Miller and it's been, and I've always appreciated what he did. So it's a little melancholy for that, but you know what, for the best long-term future of the jazz, I think it's good to sell it to a guy that also grew up a jazz fan that has the money that's from Utah that wants to keep him here. If they had sold it to some guy that started a business in in Arizona and he was some Arizonan, then you, you know, maybe you start to worry. Maybe he's not in it to keep the jazz here, but he's Ryan Smith's going to keep the jazz here. Right. Good. I think what a wacky year. I think this is uh, there's a really good chance. And of course, we're all speculating at this point, but I think this is COVID related. I think if your business investments are entertainment based like movie theaters and even the auto industry have you have you talked to people who tried to buy a new car or bought a new car recently or a relatively new car yet yeah, the the factory shutdowns have had an impact and then appliances too you try and buy a new refrigerator freezer the materials the shortage some people say it has to do with the tariffs with china i mean there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on where uh, a lot of industries are being hit and so i think maybe their auto dealerships as well as their theaters this maybe was not a uh, an optional move for them. They may, maybe had to. They were maybe shopping the team around. Which, if they were, thank goodness we had somebody like that, right? Yeah. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me, dude. Because, like you said, their major business interests are the jazz, movie theaters. You know, the the. I mean, two of their three main things are are entertainment related, and those have all been obliterated during COVID. Right. I mean, I can't imagine how theater people or how theater owners are making any money, dude. It's been shut down for months and months and months. And then now people are transitioning towards streaming online. So it's like totally undercutting them. Yeah, you're right, dude. Maybe this was a move out of necessity and not out of just because she wanted to do something good. The change I'm looking forward to is when we have both crowds there, fans of both teams there watching the Jazz play, and they show a baby wearing a BYU shirt or a BYU jersey, and the crowd boos. Ryan himself was going to get on the on the mic and be like, "Hey, come on now, come on, guys," and and you know we'll yeah. all, yeah. This is not how we act as Utahns. <laughs> Gail's done that. Gail's given us a lecture. Or two. Has she? Bless her heart. I appreciate her. Yeah. Oh, well, after um after do you remember the whole racist thing about that guy that got in the argument with Russell Westbrook? Oh, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. That blew up. Uh huh. She got on the microphone after that and said, "We're better than this Utahns. Like the next game, we." Or, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I, I do so, remember that. Any, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, big news in the in the basketball world. But, all right, man, let's talk about your 12th or 11th ranked. Well, whatever. What are they? 12th ranked? You know, it, yeah, it now? depends on who you listen to. I think they're 11th and 12th uh, with the coaches saying 11th and AP 12th. 
or maybe even 10th and 11th. I think it's 10th and 11th. I think coaches made him uh, number 10. Uh, Sagarin, Jeff Sagarin, USA Today, has him at number 6, which we'll get to more on that later. Uh, this is You had graphics last week. i got to show you all my prep. We, we, Jake and I, some oh, of you no. don't realize this. We don't have rehearsals. We don't, have, we don't really even do planning meetings. Like, he gets home from his stuff he's working on and says, hey, can we record? And I'll say, yeah, let's record. And we just go. Like, we push record. And so uh, he's finding this well, out we, we mentally prepared during the week. We mentally prepared. Like, we do. We, we're thinking all week about what, how we can make this better. So as far as having a physical planning meeting, we don't do that. But we all we both prepare mentally right. beforehand. We, and yeah, you've, got a bunch, you've got some stuff to we show. We live. I have this chart. And it's for my own reference. I have um, this one because I ran out of room on my paper, so I grabbed a paper towel. And then I have this, which is things that I needed to remember to not forget by the time we're done. And I kind of feel like a madman because I went low tech here. I'm just scribbling with a pen on napkins, and uh, I'm prepared. I'm ready to talk. Let's talk football. All right, so my question to you is, you've got a short schedule this year. <laughs> I feel like this is a setup. <laughs> it's always like a, setup. a setup. <laughs> it's always a setup. But no, that's oh, all right. Man. Just answer honestly. Pretend we're friends, right? Okay. <laughs> we okay. are friends. Um, in fact, my wife makes fun of us because because we'll Marco Polo each other, and and as soon as I get done talking, she'll sing. She'll be in the back in the corner of the room going, "When you're the best of friends," because like the the <laughs> Copper and Todd from the the Fox and the Hound. Because I don't really have friends. I, I just it. yeah. Anyway. Um, Okay, if someone offered you, you got a short season, you got six games, and somebody said, all right, if you could rewind the clock and add four games to your schedule, and they are the following teams, Grambling State University, Ball State University, Colorado State University, and Charlotte, and, and that's on top of USC, ASU, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona, and Colorado. Take it or leave it. You say, nah, I'm good with the six that I got, or sure, let's, let's play four more games. Let's do it. I asked this question preseason, and my man Kyle, who we seem to give him a shout-out every episode. I don't know why. Kyle, my man Y Soup, said a bird in the hand or two in the bush, and I agreed with him at the time uh, because I asked, I asked, would you rather have 10 games versus, you know, subpar competition or seven P5 games? And so I, I take the more games, man. Okay. I mean, if, 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 if you're throwing on USC and all the other ones, and then, yeah, I want more than – dude, I, I'm – I'll be surprised if we get through seven games. You see games canceled every week. The big, the big mistake the Pac-12 did is they didn't leave themselves any room for error. Like, as soon as we start, we got no free open dates to reschedule stuff. So if we have a game postponed or canceled, that's it. So there logically is going to be some Pac-12 teams that play a total of four games, five yeah. games. Yeah. And to me, that sucks. That sucks. I want more games. So presented with the information you give me, um, I, I would go with the, the, the 10 games. I like it. And I think most Ute fans would agree. I would agree if that were my team. And, yeah, you t- the news today, Wisconsin is losing three games, it, you know, because they're the, they have enough cases on their team for them to say we're locking it down. And I believe it's not just the games. They're not practicing, right? I mean, they're, they're shutting down. So Yeah, well, I mean, one clarification. Their quarterbacks are losing three games for sure um, because they got covid they canceled this game this weekend for sure, um, and they're going to reassess the game the next weekend. So they're for sure okay. lost one game. All right. Three I, of their four quarterbacks have lost three games for sure because they got a quarantine. Yeah. I maybe misread that. For some reason, I was under the impression that it was like, all right, no football for this team, which would have been nuts. And I, I saw that, and, and my here i got to confess, my knee-jerk reaction was sweet because they were a threat to BYU in the rankings. But then – 
like big picture, nah. I, I'd rather if you know that hypothetical. If BYU has this memorable year, undefeated, makes a a New Year's Six, which I, I last last episode I called it a New York New York Six to make fun of myself on purpose, and then I never circle back to that. So it's just twice in a row I called it a New York Six, and I'm from now on going to just call it a New York Six because that's what I see when I see NY Six. Uh, if they make that or they make the playoff, you know, heaven. <laughs> I was the opposite of heaven forbid. If uh, God willing, they make the playoff. I don't want the asterisk to be that big, you know? I want this to be as legitimate as it can be. And if teams like Wisconsin and, you know, whatever other teams out there that end up with three games total or four games total aren't considered for the playoff because of the shortage of games, people will never give anything like a playoff run the respect that it would otherwise have. And and they're probably right, you know? I mean, and anyway, so I, I think... My knee-jerk reaction was, sweet, BYU is going to rise in the rankings. Big picture, this is not good for BYU. This is not good for college football. It's not good, but I I would take it anyway and run with it. I don't care what Joe Fan in Knoxville, Tennessee thinks about an asterisk. I want the best. Eh, dude, if you can knock out after the competition and increase your chance for a big bowl, screw it. I don't care because five years from now, it's going to still say Cotton Bowl 2020. It's not going to say Cotton Bowl 2020, turn to page five. What happened is the reason they made the Cotton Bowl because Wisconsin, (laughs) you know, like you go for it, dude. You take what you can in this world because it's not a fair system. It's not. You're screwed. Smaller, smaller conferences are screwed from the start, as we have known in the years past. The Mountain West were screwed from the start, so nobody's done dealt fairly anyway. So you take what you can get, and you don't apologize for it. Okay, but let's throw out this hypothetical. I'm going to paint a very bleak picture. The trend in coronavirus gets worse and worse and worse and worse. The cases that we're getting daily right now, freaking out about, that's like, you know, we, we go 10 times that in the month of December every day. You know, I mean, this is not a pretty outlet, like, and I don't expect that to happen. But if we get to that point and it shuts down hard, however, BYU being independent, they can do what they want because they're independent. And maybe they feel like, you know what, we've been practicing safe. We've been keeping our players safe. We deserve to play. We're going to do the right thing for our athletes. We're going to keep playing. So you get a playoff with BYU, Liberty, Coastal Carolina, SMU. And you, you run that. And of course, you don't, you don't d- decline and say, no, I'm going to play the playoff because it's not legitimate. You do it. But people are going to be like, yeah, come on. Come on. You know? Hey, I don't care. People are like that now. People are like that, dude. In the B- whole BCS era was, yeah, but come on. You That's true. Two teams that were matched that it didn't matter. People were screwed. You take what you can get, man. I don't care. I don't care. If every team but Utah and Coastal Carolina are left, there's two teams that can play. Well, let's put them in the Rose Bowl. You better damn well sure I'm hanging a Rose Bowl banner in my basement. You know, I'm not I'm not going to shy away from it. Dude, I like for it. Sure, take what take what you what you want in this world, man, because nothing's given to you. Nothing. And I, nobody's looking out for you but freaking you. I like this because I feel like we've we've traded places. Like it should be the BYU fans saying, Yeah, you know, this counts, and it should be the Utah fans saying, Nah, come on, that doesn't count. That's not the same. Oh, hey, hey, trust me. Flip side, something like this does happen. Trust me. I will make sure that everyone knows it doesn't count. Like, I, I will make sure my tweets point out what a flawed system it is. Don't you worry. I'll do what's – back to my thing. 
everyone's got to look out for themselves, right? And that's what yeah. I'll be doing. I'll be saying, oh, you know, congratulations on your NY6 Bowl. All it took was a pandemic. So <laughs> schedule a pandemic every year. There you got we go. this, right? So, of course, I'm going to do that. Of course. And that's the thing I wish everyone about fandom understood. Yeah. That you're always talking from your perspective and what's best for you. Because you get in arguments, and it happened again to me this week. I, I said something about BYU lightly joking because I felt like I could do that and make it silly. And some guys like rent free. I was like, dude, he's like, all you care about is BYU. It's like, dude, I wish people would just freaking understand that it's a college football rivalry. And you do that. You talk about your rival, you make fun of them for the very thing that if you, the tables were flipped, you would be made fun of for. That's what you do. And it's fun. And to get all serious and bent out of shape, like, oh, see, all you care about, we're in your head. It's like, man, I wish people could just get past that and realize (laughs) this is fun. I went to Columbus, Ohio on my mission. I was around the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry for years and for two years, and I followed it ever since. They're called the Team Up North. They call them the Team Up North. They call Michigan the Team Up North. They never say the name. They cross out M's on all their literature, and people have fun with it. Never is everyone like, oh, see, all Ohio State cares about is we're in Michigan's in your head. No, because Michigan does the same thing and makes fun of Ohio State, and it's freaking fun. That's what a rivalry is. I wish we could mature as a rivalry and get to that point where it's not like, oh, you think about me more. No, you think about me more. See, you're such a you're an idiot. You're you know like let's just have fun and make fun of the other person for something that we would be made fun of if it was the return. You know, I'm I'm gonna share an idea with you. Get you, our listeners, you can run with it because you never have an invention idea where you're like. I don't even care if I make a million dollars off it. I want someone to invent it so I can have it, right? You, you ever have that kind of a thought? So, Oh, I have one right now that, I, that I'm that i trying to somehow turn into money, but I, so I won't share it. Okay, yeah, don't, awesome. don't share that one. Get your patent run, <laughs> drawn up first. You know, this is a patent-free idea. And, and I came up with this idea about six years ago, and I messaged some of the uh, – there's, there's a lot of people on Twitter, in Utah Twitter, that work in analytics. So – Analytics people, pay attention. This is something I want to see. I want to see some some comparables, like an in-depth social media comparison um, that has to do with, okay, like here's how you draw it up. People who follow Ohio State, how many times do they mention Michigan, right? And so you compare that with every rivalry and you say, all right, the fans of this team, like I think we're going to call it the obsession index. Who is the most obsessed with their rivals? And you have to, you can't just do numbers. You have to do percentages, you know, because like Michigan football is going to have way more fans and followers than BYU football, than Utah football. And so you got to go percentages of those who claim to follow this team or be a fan of this team. To what extent are they mentioning their rival and when and in what context? And they, you know, they, they've got these deep analytics where they can gauge like how happy the country is based on Twitter and stuff like that. And so really go deep and say, all right, who is the most petty? Who is the most obsessed? Who cannot get over their rivals more than the others? Because we've all got our ideas of like, oh, I see this, I see this. Well, we're all flawed with our point of view. Of course, we're seeing what we're seeing. But there's a way I think computers can solve this for us and be like, all right, who's a little too obsessed with a rival and who's just having fun with it and doesn't care? You're right. You know what? And I think, honestly, I think every rival is obsessed with their rival. That's just the nature of it. Right. It's the nature of rivalry, right? The team that you are a rival with, they're trying to compete for the exact same thing you are. And their success directly affects your lack of success. And so it's easy to point out their flaws. The difference is, like I said, 
bigger rifles, they don't spend time talking about who's obsessed. They just deal with it and know that it's what it is. Yeah. I bet you, honestly, I bet you the Utah-BYU rivalry spends more time trying to point out that the other person's obsessed <laughs> with them than any other rivalry in the world. I'm not even kidding you. Well, it is the weirdest freaking thing. Here's the awesome thing. It, 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 this is what is exactly right. And, and several people have pointed this out. Everything Utah fans are saying about BYU right now, BYU fans were saying about Utah a year ago, October, November. Last year, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep, and and, so, and you're right. And in fact, that's I've been waiting for you to say, where'd you come up with those four teams? <laughs> those to add the <laughs> hypothetical teams. No, you, we're moving on. So anyway, how, <laughs> how about how, how about all right? Go ahead. All Let's right, see this build up thing. If Utah were to add those four teams, Grambling State, Ball State, Colorado State, and Charlotte, their schedule would only be an average of 4.3 spots better across the board than BYU's. In other words, the top six teams... Okay, so Utah only plays six teams on the schedule right now. Maybe they get a seventh. Maybe they get an eighth with a bowl game. Right now, there's only six on the schedule. So you take BYU's best six teams and you put them head to head and this i saw someone else do this and i was like all right i can't just copy and paste someone else's i looked them all up and i went a little bit deeper on my own so this is as of two hours ago usc jeff sagarin has 23 boise state 27 that's four differences asu 37 houston 38 one spot difference ucla 64 san diego state 65 one spot different oregon state navy Difference of four. Arizona Troy, difference of four. And then way back at number six, we've got Colorado coming in at 81 and Louisiana Tech at 93. So you add all that up. Across the board, Utah is better every single time. But in a couple of them, they're only one spot better. And there's no spot where... I, well, I think there's one spot where Utah has two teams ahead of what BYU has. But even that, it's like they're neck and neck. So those top six games, these schedules are awful comparable. you know. And so if you add those four, I just took that, all right... Uh, UTSA, Western Kentucky, Texas State, North Alabama, and I went four up on those ones too to find those random four teams. You got practically identical schedules. Your response. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My response is this. My response is this. I mean, the Sagarin ratings is what you're going on, okay? Yes. You know what I go on, man? I go on the eyeball test. Right? <laughs> I go on what I see. Sure you do. I go, I go on on who who's playing on Sundays in the NFL. You you want to give me those lineups and those rosters from the, those seven ten teams? Five years from now, I guarantee you, there's going to be like a hundred percent more NFL players from Utah from the Utah schedule than BYU schedule. Also, ask yourself this, Benjamin. Since All right. you're trying to trap me here, ask yourself this, okay? If you're so, if your schedule is what you're, you're comparing to Utah, the highlight of your schedule is two Mountain West teams. That is what you're banking on for success is two Mountain West teams, Boise State and San Diego State. That's the freaking highlight of your schedule. You would trade, you would take any single P5 team off our schedule, and you guys would go nuts to add them to the schedule. You would, because as you, as you, as you have these announced, Western Kentucky, Texas San Antonio, Texas State, et cetera, et cetera, if any of those were Arizona State or UCLA or, or Colorado, you guys would have gone nuts for that. Because why? Perception is everything, and perception is they are P5 teams. They have the P5 uh, moniker attached to them, and uh, you know, the perception is all the talent goes to the P5. You want to be the best by beating the best, and you want P5 teams on your schedule. I guarantee, had they been announced any of those teams, you guys would have been, that's the cream of our schedule right there. Just one of them, even. 
Am I right about that? You are, because humans are terrible. Humans are flawed. Humans are not good at this kind of thing. So when you look at the computers, when you look at Vegas, you look at the analytics, guys analytics, guys like Jeff Sagarin, they take that human element, that preconceived bias, out of it. They make the puzzle fit together to where all the pieces fit. Us saying, oh, that's P5, that's G5, oh, this team had a great year. This Like Texas, continually, year after year after year, people are like, Texas, 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 because they have this brand. Well, they're not that great, you know? And so somebody whose job it is to say, we're going to make sure our casinos make money, we're going to make sure every piece fits together top to bottom exactly how it should, they're not going to be biased. We're talking implicit bias, which is a greater conversation we can have about society and and race relations and all this. I won't really go there, but (laughs) computers are going to do it better. And so, and I got to correct you on one thing. Boise State is uh, 27, Houston is 38. Compare that to USC, which is 23, and Arizona State, which is 37. And I will admit, yes, Arizona State carries more brand recognition than Houston does. But Houston's no slouch. Houston's been having great years. They've found themselves in the top 25 quite frequently the past five years. Well, let's, let's do this then. Let's revisit this at the end of the season when these numbers are adjusted. Yes. Because right now you're going off of teams that haven't even freaking suited up yet, right? Right. And so a lot of it is is um, slanted towards teams that haven't played yet. I mean, Utah started the preseason rankings 22 when everybody was on there. Then when everyone pulled off, they redid the rankings, and Utah hasn't seen the rankings since right. then. Right. So people at one point thought Utah was going to be really good, but all of a sudden they're not worthy to be in the top 25. Uh, I I say we let's I like this I like this game Benjamin I like it let's <laughs> let's take this down and then after the season's over let's go through this again and see let's see if do. it's if it's still comparable. So worth pointing out other numbers Utah uh, is twenty nine they would be BYU's second best game right now Sagarin has Boise State ahead of Utah I don't think that's correct I I think Utah would hands down be far better than Boise State but that's what they are at right now BYU right now is number six. Oregon, who's a possibility for Utah to play, is 11. And Michigan, who there's a little bit of buzz about because that's, I believe that's the game canceled from Wisconsin. So open date that BYU has open. So it doesn't, you know, all this, those of us in the fan pool are saying, make this one happen, make this one happen. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but they would be eight. And that would be a sweet matchup. If you have a number six BYU and a number eight Michigan, uh, sign me up. You know, I'll take it. That would be awesome. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you got you take. Of course, you take that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, I I I, I like this. But I'm glad you brought this up. We can definitely revisit this in the, the year and see where see where those rankings are. I I do. But well, here's the thing that's gonna be hard though. How do you measure the Pac-12 versus other conferences when you've got no outside of conference games? It's that's you all I test great, at that point. <laughs> you seem to not worry about that right there when you're spouting them off in BYU's favor. So why would you worry about that then? <laughs> I'm just getting out ahead of us. I have a feeling you're right. I think I think uh, when you really when you look at those schedules head to head, you think, nah, I'll take Utah's schedule, not BYU's. Uh, but that's the thing. The computers. The, let's just see what the computers say at the end of the year. Okay. So I mean, uh, I guess I guess what we can do what is take. I guess so. Let's pretend Utah plays seven total games. Yeah. If, if there's no cancellations, they will play seven. Yeah. Do you want to take the top seven against Utah seven, or or how do you want to how do you want to do this? I right. Mean, I know you cherry picked those those other four to add. No, no, or, no. But how do you want to do this? No, no, no. I was very meticulous in how I picked them. So I can show you my work. We'll upload this graphic. Yeah. Um. We For did. Sure. We did the. Uh, I just ranked number one versus number one, number two versus number two, number three versus number three, and in that ranking, Utah 
had their schedule was ranked an average of four spots ahead of BYU's opponent. So I said, all right, who are the other four that BYU plays and who's four spots ahead of each of those teams? Oh, I see. I spent yeah, so way was, too much time different. on this. Way too much time. I have a graphic. I have a graphic for you too. So we can... <laughs> it's the NBC Peacock, but he needs to get one of his feathers clipped. It's so it is it's not. It's black and white. Okay, really though, real talk. Are you mad? Like, does this make you mad? Does this? Oh no, I don't get mad. Come okay, on, but man. I don't get but mad are you speaking for your fan base? Because there's been a lot, and we just talked about. It. It's okay to be obsessed. It's okay to be petty. But when you look at the national people giving BYU props. Boise State fans, Utah State fans, and Utah fans are not okay with the uh, with the recognition BYU is getting. Some some SEC yeah, people, some Big it, Ten people, you get a few random people like, well, who have they played? But by and large, the people that seem angry online are fans of those three teams. And it goes back to what we said about being rivals, right? Those are BYU's three main rivals, right? Right. And so, you know, Boise, Utah, and Utah State. I mean, those are really there in in your locker room. Kalani's hung up. Beat the rivals. He lists those three, right? Yeah. So that's the reason why it comes back to being a rival. That's why they're not happy about it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's it. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I want no, the fans hey, man, to know. That's what, that's what this is. That's what this is about. This rivalry is talking smack like that. You 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 think based on Sagarin that. The schedule is on par with Utah's. Um, you, you talk about it being perception, but you, you, you put a poll out there, any non-Utah BYU fan, you place that on, on any any poll. If they're not a Utah BYU fan and line the schedules up, nobody's going to pick that. Oh, nobody's absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I have no argument with that. The, the perception and, – and honestly, if I were engineering – like if I were the football guru and could do anything I wanted with the schedule – I would cherry pick the weakest big name teams out there because then it would be like, oh, wow, they beat Texas. Oh, wow, they beat so-and-so, so-and-so, who's probably having a down year but looks really impressive. I mean, shoot, you go back to when Taysom Hill ran all over Texas. That was amazing. I loved that, you know, but Texas really wasn't that great. But that was the beginning of them not being that great. So it looked like what an amazing win at the time. Anyway, uh, (laughs) want all the fans to know, I'm drinking Coke Zero. This is the first caffeine I've had all month because I was caffeine-free all month, and I was feeling tired today, and I was like, man, I got to bring the energy to this podcast, and so I'm a little amped up right now. Are you good? It's working? It's a sacrifice I'm making for you. We're sponsored by Coke Zero, so We are, we are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, hey, listen. That's the end of the day. You're a BYU fan. I'm a Utah fan. You are going to do what you can to make BYU look as good as they can I'm going to do what I can to make Utah look better, right? That's just what right. it is. Well, and, and also the make the other team podcast, look worse. bro. <laughs> right, yes. And that's the beauty of this podcast. We bring, we, we represent both sides. Yes, absolutely. And I, can't, um, I ambushed you last week. You ambushed me this week. So I'm going to spend <laughs> the week thinking. <laughs> I've got more. I've got more. This was my extra paper. This was the original 2020 schedule because I just I had to know. I'm like, all right, as long as I'm comparing all these numbers – what would have been, what might have been. And so the original schedule, you've got BYU's number one opponent, like I mentioned, Boise State. Number two would have been Utah, three Arizona State, four Houston, then Stanford and Minnesota. That would have been your top six. Comparing Utah's current schedule with BYU's would have been schedule, BYU's opponents would have been an average of 21 spots ahead of Utah's opponents. Does that blow your mind? But It, it, it blows my mind, but... 
Shoot, there's a point I was going to make that you're saying. I forget. Uh, I'm, I'm focusing way too Numbers don't really work when you're just doing audio. You know, I got to show you these. I got to, like, show your work, you know? You'll tweet. Well, all the DMs we get from people asking to see it, you can tweet about <laughs> that, right? We get so many DMs of people asking whatever we want them to ask. It's amazing. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. So, hey, if your schedule's so great right now, I guess it doesn't really matter that you canceled all those P5 games then, right? Because... To your, to your Sagarin ratings, you got a Boise and a Houston and all these these teams. It doesn't matter, right? If we were recruiting computers, you're right. But we are recruiting very impressionable teenagers who, as we demonstrated very clearly at the beginning of this podcast, are kind of idiots sometimes. So when you recruit an <laughs> idiot, you got to have that smoke and mirrors. You got to be like, look who we're playing. Look at the size of their stadium. Look at how many fans they have. So, you know, you got to, rec- that's how you recruit. So, no, I don't like the schedule. I want gotcha. the P5s. Okay. Good. Bring, bring them. Good. Bring. That's what I thought. That's what I thought, man. <laughs> no, See? my point My point is that I don't like that schedule. It's not as weak as some would have you believe. That's my point. I see. Well, I guess uh, we'll leave that up to the playoff committee to decide then. If, they, yeah. if, they, if they're just picking the four best teams, then they probably won't, balk at, balk at, uh, they won't bat an eye at that schedule then based on Sagarin ratings, right? If they're, right. If they're looking at the, then you're good. You're set. You're in. You've got that spot locked up. We're gonna. Our fans are gonna be expecting week by week updates on this, and I will provide them. We're gonna say right now, Utah has the schedule advantage up four spots. So you know, we'll we'll keep you posted on that number. Four spots is a big, big advantage. That's giant. It is in the. If you're talking top ten, you know, if you're talking the difference of we're gonna play the number three team versus the number seven team. That's a big difference. When you're talking, I mean, in the 70s, 80s, it's a, it's a pick em. It's a, I mean, they're practically the same team at that point. I guess, I guess that's what you, that's what you want your Cougar fans to believe. So let's talk about Zach Wilson's throw. Okay. If uh, I, yeah, if, we haven't even talked about that game yet. So yeah, go for it. If I say Zach Wilson's throw, do you know the throw I'm talking about? I do know it. Yes, I know what story you're talking about. Yep. This was one of my this was my favorite moment of the game last game is just before halftime, 62.5 yards through the air. And the funniest thing about that, as soon as he launched it, we were all like jaws dropping. And I got into it a little bit. Now I mean just discussing with with a fan of of Utah that this is fun. Like this is a fun thing to watch. And a lot of Utah fans are like, no, you're playing Texas State. This is like I think, what were his words? Stu, uh, now I can't think of his name, not Stu, Stephen Davis. It's not, it's not Boogie. You know, you know that guy, right? Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to go back on this audio. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, oh, so, oh it, I was thinking of somebody else. I was you were thinking, thinking of somebody else. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jake's doing okay. charades over there, and I'm like, oh man, maybe this guy's off limits. He's a cool guy. I like him. We followed each other for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah, he was just talking about how, uh, you know, it's a it's a good solution. Making the best of a bad situation is what he called it. And I was like, no, nah, man, you got to come over to our house. We got good treats. We're just seeing highlight after highlight. And Zach Wilson then connects with Dax Milne, 62.5 yards through the air. And it was fun. And the funny thing, too, right, the ESPN crew comes back, and they were talking about the Pythagorean theorem, right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. 
And uh, it was funny because immediately nerdy BYU fan after nerdy BYU fan shows their work. They show the math and they were all it was funny because everybody was like, no, man, that was 58 yards. No, man, that was 63 yards. Anyway, 62.5 is, I think, what we all settled on as through the air. So from the 48 yard line to about the two yard line, but across the field, throwing back over his shoulder. And this is a cool thing. We talked about this a little bit last week. Zach Wilson, he had a guy closing in on him. I don't care that it's Texas State. He threw that when he was about to get hit, and then Dax Milne caught it and got hit immediately afterwards. That could be a zero-star recruit coming at you or a five-star recruit coming at you. Neither of them, it wasn't wide open, it wasn't gimme, but it was perfect. It was so pretty to watch. Yeah, man, the fact that, I mean, it, the thing that I, I recall from it is it was on a rope, too. It wasn't like some, like, you know, wobbly duck that, it was like thrown across the field on a rope, like a good-looking right. good pass. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. This uh, and I got I can't remember who. Point. I think Bitter BYU fan is the one that retweeted uh, this, and I can't remember who did the work. But um, NFL just put out a highlight of like the longest through the air passes all year. Where do you think Zach Wilson's pass would rank on this list? Uh, all, just this season. Yeah, this year. Uh probably number one. There, I would guess. Yes, it would be number one. If Zach Wilson were in the NFL, that would have been the longest through-the-air pass thrown all year. It was amazing. It was fun. And this is why I, I don't hate the schedule. I wish it was a better schedule. But you got games like this, and you can have fun. It, it was cool to see. Dude, you can. It's a throw. I've said this a million times. It's a throwaway season. No eligibility is expired. We're lucky to have games. What you get, dude, just enjoy it for what it is, right? Right. I mean... I'm still not confident that Utah even plays the way the cases are going in Utah right now. There's a, there's, there's starting to be talk of, well, maybe that game would be played, dude. I'm not, I may not even get a freaking game. I would take 5 million games against your Sager in top 10. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Then no games at all, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I like it. Common ground. Hey, we got some follow-ups to do. Did you have a chance? Like I mentioned, we, we didn't, like coordinate this show before we went together. Um, do you talk to your guy, the the agent, about uh, insurance policy before going into a season? You know what? I did not. Okay. I, I well, I haven't. I have not heard back from him. Tune in next I, I week. Send him a message, and maybe yeah, we'll have an answer it, next I'm week. Gonna, I I got to make sure. No to that. Uh, all right. But didn't we have uh didn't we have some mailbag questions? We do. Today? We do. One more follow-up, though, that I said, the volleyball score, the Las Vegas Bowl volleyball score. I did a search, and I found, and I messaged you about this. Uh, after the first quarter, when Utah was up 35-0, to zero, at that moment, I tweeted out, so this was before anybody knew BYU was going to dominate the rest of the game, right? At that moment, 35-0, to zero, I said, Man, I sure wish this was like volleyball and we were only down one point right now or one game right now. You know, So I do take credit as being the first person to put the thought out there, but it wasn't a petty, yeah. we would have won if, you know. but I think whoever, yeah. if somebody did run with that, it's because I primed them to think that way, saying, ah, we're just down one game to the other. Let's get the other three. We'll, we'll win this. And sure enough, we did. Yeah, yeah. I, how, how good are your Twitter search skills? I wish you could find that. I remember somebody after saying saying it but it obviously you it, it, it germinated with you man and i appreciate that because that's good comedy <laughs> it it is well and that's the thing at that point in time none of us thought it was going to be 35 28 i mean when it was 35 0 it legitimately looked like it was going to be 62 to 3 you know and so my my idea would have been lost in the 
yeah, nobody would have cared about it. But the game unfolded the way it did. Some BYU fans said, yeah, I like the way that guy thinks. Let's claim a moral victory here. And then, yeah, the (laughs) kind of blew up from there. So that was good. I will search some more. I'll see if I can find that out. Yeah, we got some mailbag. Man, which order do we want to go in here? I, I did not. I did not review the questions before. I was out doing some visits before this, and I was I had no time. So okay. let's, let's, this will surprise surprise me with these questions. We got about five or six, and I'll just say this: I I've read the questions, but I haven't really thought about them that much because I'm I'm kind of not a thinker. So, um, you are J Ball, friend of the program, wants to know where you want to eat for lunch, but he said we had to answer really fast. <laughs> oh, it might be too late. Do you guys uh, eat lunch today? Yeah, meat, I'm, Dude, you know the story with him, right? Yeah, him? yeah. I think we've told that on the podcast. So he's my old friend from elementary school that we lost touch for 30 years. Um, when he moved to Richfield out of like first after second or first or second grade, I was so bummed. And that was the last time I ever heard of him. Here, 30 years later, he's a friend of mine on Twitter. Somehow something else sparks. And, I, and I, he finds out my name is Jake Johnson. He's like, are you the same Jake Johnson from Wasatch? I was like, yes. And bam, my old friend. So we're meeting up again for lunch tomorrow. So to answer this question, I will meet you at Lakai at 1230, my man. Nice. Lakai at 1230. Hope you're listening before 12.30, you are J-Ball. All right. Um, I want to end with this one. This is a really good question. Uh, Jansport, we'll go with both of his questions. Uh, he wants to know who is leading the Anderson-Hester poll right now. And that's not really, I think, anything anyone can know. But what I do want to know, have you looked up, has anybody done the research? Does Anderson-Hester typically also put as number one who everybody else does, or are they known to be kind of rogue and a loose cannon? Do they usually do their own thing? It's, it's, it's pretty similar with who ends up number one. Okay. Um, because it is a computer based poll. Um, computers, that, you say that was the, you like computers. Yes. Well, they also have a, a common sense element in there too. <laughs> they say so they had, they had, okay, this is a P five school. They've got to have more talent. So they give 10, 10 points for each one there. But Obviously. The year they the year they ranked Utah number one, we had actually finished number two in the AP poll. Um, in fact, actually, which sucks, there were a lot of AP voters that year that ranked us number one outside of the BCS. We had 16 first place votes that year, to, but we, we finished second. So if there was, it would have been something if there was like seven or, or seven or eight more riders that had, had the cojones to rank us number one, we would have won the AP National Championship. Anyway, so who's winning it right now? Well, as a uh, um, a fan of a school that has the prestigious Anderson Hester National Championship in our trophy our trophy case, I can say right now it would probably and I'm speaking just from experience, being someone who's been awarded <laughs> the Anderson Hester. I, I bet you I'm I'm thinking they right now they have Alabama ranked number one because dang they look freaking good. Okay, well I'll have to take your word for it because I just wouldn't get it. I just don't understand. I don't. I you don't yeah. get it. You no. wouldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> This next question we can both weigh in on from Jansport as well. He wants to know, is Boise State or Houston going to be a tougher opponent for BYU or was a tougher opponent for BYU? Your thoughts? Well, I think you should go ahead and answer that. I I think Boise looks better. Uh, Boise traditionally is better. And Boise, I mean, they've only played one game, so we don't know. But they looked looked good against the JV Utes last week. Um, And so I, I... at the end of the at the end of the season, I think Boise is going to be the better team. Personally, they they seem to run through the Mountain West. That's just um, my thoughts. But you've you're the one that's that's done all the 
all the legwork on this uh, Sagarin ratings and stuff. So why don't yeah. you handle this from well, your experience? Well, here's the thing. Sagarin is kind of an idiot. He's got... I'm just kidding. He's not an idiot. Right now, he has Boise State at 27, Houston is 38. I think by the end of the season, that's going to not be the same. Now, that being said, Boise State might run the table with the exception of BYU because it looks like the Mountain West, if Utah State is any indicator, some teams aren't showing up. And and I you know, I hate to say it, we might see this with the Pac-12 as well, that people are going to have discrepancies in how well prepared they are. And so the Mountain yep, West... Agreed they might not put up very much competition to Boise State. So they might look like they're a lot better. Houston, I was impressed with what I saw from them. Uh, the quarterback, the accuracy, like I said, those plays when BYU was beating them, they they weren't like blowing them out of the water kind of plays. Like it was pretty close. Um, Boise State, from what I saw, I watched a little bit of the second quarter, a little bit of the third quarter. Uh they looked good. They looked physical. Their quarterback looked good, but they had some sloppy work. I mean, that that punter punting into his own lineman was like the funniest play I've yeah. seen all week. I mean, that was hilarious. And yeah, then that was ridiculous. Some insight I got from a former player who's played in Boise twice was the crowd noise is a factor. It's the loudest stadium he'd ever played in, and he'd played in a lot of stadiums during his time at BYU. I think he played, he was part of that Texas game. You know, he's been in big stadiums, and Boise State was by far the loudest. So in a year when you don't have the crowd there or when you have a limited capacity crowd, that home field advantage that Boise State usually has, it's not quite the same. He he also said the blue jerseys, blue turf, is only... Uh, a disadvantage for people watching at home on TV because you got that high angle and the players are playing in the field. Yeah. So it totally sucks for us at home. But when you're on the level with the other players, it doesn't matter. He said that that's not a factor. So their home their home field advantage should be nothing this year. I think just based on what I've seen, four quarters of Houston, two quarters of Boise State, I think Houston's the tougher one. Now, that being said, BYU needs to treat Boise State like they're freaking Alabama because if they show up not ready to compete, not ready to go to war, they're going to get exposed. So wait, wait. Are you disregarding your Sagarin ratings right there? You know, say Boise's better by eleven spots. You're throwing out the precious Sagarin ratings and saying Houston's better. I'm gonna say the the weakness of the Sagarin ratings right now, which does not apply at all to the Pac-12, but is that they have a limited (laughs) amount of data to work with with Boise State and Houston. So yes, it is. One of the best systems as far as, like I mentioned, you make a complete puzzle where every piece fits, but you don't know if that puzzle is right until the end of the season. That's why I think it's absolutely necessary that we reassess at the end of the season. (laughs) And Um, you've known me, you've known me to be, I will, I will use the analytics for and against my team. I just want to know the truth. I am passionate about finding the truth, whether it exposes me or supports me. See, and I'm all about the fake news, right? <laughs> I'm all about the fake news to make me feel good. So, um, but back to your guy. He said Boise's the loudest place, and he's played in Texas. You say what metric did he use to graph that? I'm curious. His his human ears, which are flawed. Yeah. See. <laughs> so I like. <laughs> Go back and forth. The the human, yes, good. Okay. <laughs> no, um, I believe it though. Uh, I went to Utah State University during a time when their basketball program was just a lot of fun. They were in the Big West at the time, I think, the Big West. So they're competing with teams like Cal State Fullerton and uh, University of Pacific was part of the we- or the uh, Big West at the time. 
Anyway, the Spectrum, that basketball stadium in Logan, is the loudest stadium I've ever been in, and I've been to a lot of different stadiums. So it's not necessarily the crowd size. There's acoustics that are involved in the Spectrum. That's what you the the ceiling is right freaking above the the students, and Agreed. it just it's, it's it crazy. amplifies. So when it gets packed, I was there for the uh, 2000. Uh, I want to say five Utah at Utah State at Bogut's junior or sophomore year. We went to the Sweet 16, but we lost at Utah State by like a huge margin, and that place was freaking crazy. I yeah. agree, that's a loud place. So okay, so, what's I, uh, what other questions we got? Uh, let's see, Johnny J20, friend of the program. He's got two questions, and he asked a couple last week. Do we get to both of his questions? Do we need to start spreading around the time? Um, I don't know. Let's. I say whatever questions we can get. Let's take them. Okay, I'm gonna rattle them off because I did some research on this one. I lied about not thinking about this. He got me curious. He wanted to know if you consider all of the Polynesian islands, which one produces the most or the best football players, and why. And he said, and I hope I don't get you beat up by anybody who you offend with the answer to this question. So, I yeah. I did just I did some quick research. So I've got if you want to take a crack at your thoughts, I don't have any answer. Okay. I, it's either it's either Tonga or Samoa. So, so people people uh, about ten years ago and about five years ago and even about one year ago had written about this. American Samoa is the answer when you look at population in relation to the NFL talent they produce. Uh, population of sixty five thousand, slightly smaller than Lehigh, Utah, at one point in time had thirty active NFL players in in the league. Could you imagine 30 dudes me? out of Lehigh, Utah? Dude, dude, you don't even have 30 in your history of BYU in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, fact checker. We get our fact checker on that one. <laughs> no, he's, he's, t- he's retired. He's tired. Fake yeah. news. <laughs> that is, uh, but yeah, that's impressive. So American Samoa is the answer according to the internet, not me. So, you know, if anyone is. Dude, that's crazy. 30 from this, the talent the size of Lehigh, Utah. Right. Right, which just, wow. yeah, blows my mind. And that's the thing. That's not even consider American Samoans who have immigrated to other places in the, in the or not even immigrated, yep. moved because it's American, so it's not immigrating, but yep. have moved to other places and raised their family other places who end up growing up in West Valley City and play at BYU or Utah. You know, that's not even considering them. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's crazy, dude. That's, that's that is amazing. impressive. Okay. Wow. Good this, question, Johnny, my man. That was, that was. The next question is, uh, I almost feel like it's a setup. Of all the coaches who have played for your program, be it head coach, assistant coach, anywhere on the staff, who was the worst hire and why? Okay. For all the coaches that have that have coached at Utah? Yeah. Who is the worst what hire was, and why? What was the worst? Who was the worst one they well, hired? Well, we, we went through a string of some pretty bad offensive coordinators there for a while. Year after um, year after year just, after year. Yeah. Uh, just off the top of my head, I would say my least favorite – was probably Dave Christensen. He was uh, he was the former Missouri head coach. He was an offensive coordinator at Wyoming. He came to Utah and he was just a a surly, angry person. You remember his his meltdown where he was head coach of Washington or Washington Wyoming, and he got in a fight with Air Force's coach, and he yelled at him, "Go back to your locker room, fly boy!" You know all that crap. Just kind <laughs> yes. of a, just yeah. kind of a hothead. And uh, the, our offense wasn't good that year. Um, is one of the many offenses that aren't good, and I, apparently he was he didn't he offended a lot of players on the team, and he was like let go like right after the bowl game, so it was a bad experience. So I'd say Dave in in recent history, um, in, in the modern era, I'd say Dave Christensen 
That's yeah, I like that. The reason I felt like this was maybe a setup is because I feel like the uh, the answer he wants me to say is Ty Detmer because that's such a high profile bad hire. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to go Ty Detmer though because with the knowledge we had at the time, it looked like a good hire at the time. It energized the fan base, and you know what? Had that worked out, Sataki and Detmer are coming to town, they man. Are coming they, to town. There were songs about it. There, <laughs> if, there were songs people put out about it. If you can inspire a father and son to make a video and put on YouTube, you've made the right hire, right? It seemed like the right hire at the time, and and yeah, you, the what ifs. If that would have worked out, I mean, it would have been amazing. So I'm not going to say that one. It didn't work out. Looking back, yeah, it was a bad move. Uh, I want to say Jaime Hill, and the only reason is there's there's a story that the rest of us don't know, including me. I don't know. But he was fired at halftime of the Utah State game forever ago, like maybe 10 years ago, a long time ago, maybe even more than 10 years ago. Bronco Mendenhall fired him, took over as defensive coordinator for the rest of the season. And there was just enough rumblings within the program that made you think he did something awful. He did something terrible. And so I'd never heard what it was. I've never heard anyone open their mouths and tell the rest of that story, but... Something was not yeah, right with that situation. Huh. So, yeah. Good, um, good question. Do we have any more? Yeah, I'm going to end with the best one. This is from Josh Freeman at CV Freeman. What do you love most about your rivals program? What do I love most about my rivals program? Okay. So you got to say it. something nice about BYU. I got to say something nice yeah. about Utah. I will say it. Your fans are forever optimistic. Like it does not matter. No, I, I, I respect this. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah. It may not. It may seem like a joke, but I'm, I'm not kidding you. You're, you're forever optimistic, and you immediately rebound with, with hope and optimism and belief that you're gonna do great things. Like you just can't be, you can't be kept down, man. Like whereas Utah fans, it's like continually, at least the ones I associate with continually pessimistic, angry, nothing's freaking good enough. Um, you know, there's a big saying in our family, hang a banner. That's what people say. Anytime any good news is talked about Utah. Hey, Utah's put the most NFL players in the Pac-12 in the past 10 years. That's something to be proud of. Nope, hang a banner, way to go. You suck, you didn't win a championship. You know, like I, I, I respect and admire the fact that you're, you're continually optimistic and things are always looking good and just... I, I like that. I respect that. I like so that. About the fans, um, if 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 you're talking about the program, well, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a admittedly biased because it's my religion too, you know. So there's a lot of university things I respect about the program. I like about the program. I'll just say it: the BYU speeches website, byu.speeches.byu.edu. There are thousands of devotionals there. I go to that website three or four times a week and stream four or five talks a week from there. So that that's it. My answer is speeches.byu.edu. If, if it could be a thing, like if we lived in a different era, different time, and Utah could open their games with an opening prayer before, you know, while the players in the locker room before they come out, or maybe they're standing on the sideline, would you do that? Would you want to do that? That's a, that's a deep question. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't like religion being mocked, right? So right. Like nowadays, like you say, it's, it's, it's people are praying – I've been at games where big games at BYU where there's prayers. And then in the North end zone, there's some, some Ute fans who are not religious yelling during the prayer. And that ir- angers me. So I prefer not to cast my pearls before swine. If that makes sense. Interesting. But yeah. If it was respectful. Yeah. I pray. I pr- I gotta pray just to make it today. Right. I pray yeah. all the time. Right. So 
Sure, I have no problem praying before before meetings, dude. I pray. And it sounds dumb. I mean, I'm, maybe shouldn't get into this, but I, I mountain bike and, and I pray before every mountain bike ride that I don't get hurt, right? Because right. Because I need protection everywhere I go, and so yeah. I pray all the time. So yeah, sure, I, I I have no problem praying before games. I don't want this to come across like I'm like I'm a victim or like I think of myself as a victim or like people of our faith are persecuted because that's not where I'm coming from, but. There is a discrepancy out there where people will mock BYU because they're an easy target for the same things they would never go after other people. Like, you get so many players that, I mean, from both teams, they'll come together and they'll have a prayer after a game. And that that's of their own free will and choice. That's of their own volition. And nobody's out there ridiculing them, you know? And it's, it's just, there's a little bit of a discrepancy that's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. So, okay, okay. your turn. What, what about... What about Utah do you respect about your rival? I just thinking about this uh, in the last minute or two, I, I think I want to answer kind of the same thing that Lisa Wilson was trying to do for the BYU program and I hope is doing. I haven't been to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in, in quite a while now. Uh, but here's someone who came from a background of we attend every home game for the University of Utah and then suddenly – her life is in chaos. She finds herself at every home game for BYU. And to her, the glaringly obvious difference is the energy that the fans bring. It's just not there. And it sucks because I've been to a few Utah games where, you know, you get the big, you get the flames and the drums, loud music, the flashing lights, and the fans go nuts. And it's kind of that same idea. Like, Utah doesn't have one of the bigger Pac-12 stadiums. Uh, I'm, off the top of your head, do you know where they rank? Ninth. Ninth. Okay, so the ninth biggest stadium in the Pac-12, I would say in terms of loudness and fan intensity, it's near the top if it's not the top. I mean, Oregon maybe. We, Oregon's we, pretty loud. Washington's we, pretty loud. We, yes, we've developed a reputation as one of the three best fan bases in the Pac-12 because we pack it. Uh, Oregon, Washington, Utah. There's There's been Twitter polls from writers in other Pac-12 places that say name choose your most SEC-like um, fan base and Utah always finishes in the top three in those polls. Part of it is, I'll, I'll be honest. Part of it is there's a lot of crappy fan bases in the Pac-12. Stanford's yeah. fan base sucks. They don't show up at all. UCLA, if they're not winning, it's it's sixty thousand empty seats, right? So, but Utah does pack it, and like you said, that's one thing I love about Utah games that I, I just miss so bad is the energy, especially the night game after a big touchdown. I've counted. I, I'm a dork. I know. There, people bring flags and wave the flags during the fight song. At the ch- and I've counted, there's been, I think, 345, 350 is what I counted-ish one time. Flags in the in the stadium waving. That's like, I don't know, that's like 35 per section. Just they're everywhere. There's energy. There's excitement. Um, a lot of it's alcohol-fueled, which is, you know, a big part <laughs> of it. Um, that you will never get at BYU. Um, but it's, it is, it is a really high energy, fun, fun environment. And dang yeah. it, I miss it so freaking bad. I miss yeah. it, man. Oh, and I don't, here's the thing, BYU fans. I don't want you to take exception with this assessment of it. It's just a head to head comparison. The Utah fans bring more energy and I wish, here's the thing you get, you get some people who are Utah fans because they hate BYU and they hate the church. And I'm saying that's the, that's the minority, but they're out there. Well, equally you have BYU fans who are BYU fans because they love the church, but they don't know anything about football and they don't care about football. So you've got a little bit of that fringe on both sides that just kind of cancel each other out. They're like, Oh, I hate BYU. Therefore I'm a Utah fan. Oh, I love the church and I believe in the church. So I must be a BYU fan. And when you get enough of those people, 
people that show up at the stadium and they're not looking for a good football experience, you're going to just water down the quality of the overall fan, like the energy that they bring. And that's the thing is sometimes you got a family of seven that are sharing a Sprite and passing it back and forth. And they're just, they're not there to yell. They're not there to stand up and they're not there to, to get after the ref. They're there to just clap. And, and that's fine. If you're the person who claps, I just, I wish that more of the BYU fans could see how other stadiums do it and say, you know what, we're going to jump when it's a close game, when it's uh, when it's really t- like, I just wish they brought it a little bit harder. And part of that starts with the, the program. You know, they need to play the right music. They need to get the lights. They need to invest in the fireworks and the whole, the smoke and mirrors part of it, not the computer part of it, the part that impresses people that aren't really paying attention. Yeah. Okay. So, but that kind of brings it back to your initial question about prayer. Do you think, do you think that kind of mutes it a little bit by starting with the prayer? You start, you, you bow your head, you're reverent. You kind of remind it of what's important in life that football is not as important. You're praying to a higher power. Do you think that kind of mutes the, uh, the energy to right out of the gate? It, it might, but it depends on the position and what drives you, you know, because there's there's players that need to be laser focused where absolutely prayer is going to help them and adrenaline is going to hurt them. You know, you get a quarterback who's amped up, it's going to throw the ball seven yards over the receiver's head. You know, so that kind of person, maybe he thrives on on prayer and saying, all right, I'm focused. My, my priorities are where they need to be. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to compete. I'm going to make the creator of this body proud with what I do with it, you know, with what I do with it. And then you've got like maybe a, a defensive end who needs to just bring pure adrenaline every down and maybe prayer holds him back. Maybe he needs less prayer and more Metallica or whatever the kids are listening to these days. Yeah. But I mean, I mean more for the fans. Does you think that mutes the fans a little bit like their energy because they just, you started with a humble prayer. Yeah. You're a little calmer. Do you think that mutes their energy? I don't know. All I know is when you brought it up, I, I got a pang in my heart because I miss it, bro. I yeah. miss going to, I, I, I am an idiot. I would go in the gates the second they open two hours early I would sit and watch the teams warm up. I would not leave no matter what the score was till it was over. And just the experience being there with my brothers and my family. And I just love it, dude. I love it. Oh, there's one, actually one question from uh, a Bones Johnson. <laughs> you just reminded me there's address. one more question to get to. <laughs> he said, How, who's your favorite brother and why is it Bones? Well, my favorite brother is Josh. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I have no favorite brothers, as you know, but Bones is one of them. He's my little brother. He's got a heart of freaking gold. He's the kindest dude you'll ever meet. He's the closest to me in age. And, uh, so Bones, sure, you're it. You're my favorite brother. Nice. All right. I have a favorite brother, yeah. too. His name's Joe. Joe, if you're listening, I don't know if my brother listens, but you're my favorite brother. Shout out to brothers. He's your only brother, right? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> easy. I got one brother. I got three See, sisters. I got six. There's, six. there's six of us, so I've got a lot to choose from. Yeah. Nice. Hey, dude, and also, obviously, my brother that gave me his kidney, that's the reason I'm alive, he's, he's one of my favorite brothers, too, right? Yeah. I got a lot of brothers. To he's part from, of you. So. You know, I, we touched on this before. I got part of someone else in me. I've got somebody else's knee, but it was not my brother. It was a complete stranger. It was someone who was roughly the same height as me, roughly the same age as me, and he died, and I've got his knee now. So total stranger. Obviously, you're not listening. You're dead, but thank you for your knee. Yeah. Hey, transplant lives. We live on through transplants. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else we want to we want to touch on before we wrap? This is probably our longest podcast, an hour and twenty minutes, bro. Oh man, hour twenty. We got a uh, man. I gotta edit out that that story about the bird refuge from the beginning. We gotta get back into an hour. <laughs> no, that's good, dude. That's good. Hey, if people make it an hour and twenty minutes, good for you. We love you guys. Man. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, um, shout out to our sponsors. Thank you, Coke. Uh, thank yep. you, Eggnog. Uh, get some get some dog in your belly is their slogan. Thank you, Eggnog. Any other sponsors we got to go through? Uh, Apple phones. Thank you, Apple. <laughs> I'm just looking for sponsors around here. So. <laughs> thank you, Lamp. Yeah. All right, bro. Well, we we will cut this, and uh, next week, dude, I finally get to talk about a game that's starting. It'll be three days away anyway. So next, next week we will preview Utah's game. I like that. We will. Pre- and who- and you've got Boise to preview, don't you? Oh man, why did we talk so much this episode? We got way more to talk about next episode. Next episode we yeah. will touch very very briefly on the updates in the Sagarin competitions. I will keep this yeah. this uh, homework on my desk all year. Uh, we'll do very briefly on that, and we'll talk a little bit more about the teams. Perfect. Awesome. All right, man. Well, I guess that's it. Go Utes. Go Cougs.